Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, I see it's Friday. Just finished my other talk. And I guess we have to get one out for this week's parsha. Oh, it's Vayakel. Parsha's Vayakel this week. This is my Bar Mitzvah parsha from many moons ago. But when I grew up, Bar Mitzvahs were of a different order. I won't go into that now. I um, would point out, let's see, Vayakel comes after the Golden Calf episode, so we have something very interesting going on. The Mishkan will be built... Uh, by sinners, by the contributions of sinners, but under the direction of non-sinners. Very, very interesting, right? Uh, all Kol Nadiv Lev, everybody is asked by Moshe to kick in money, only if they want to, but to kick in money, and to build the Mishkan, and, by the way, the Mishkan is an interesting operation, unlike the Golden Calf, and unlike the base of Migdash, the Mishkan is built by men and women. Uh, technically speaking, the women are also supposed to participate in the building of the base of Migdash. At least, I remember the Rambam says that, like somewhere in the beginning of Hilchus B.S. Migdash or someplace like that. But, uh, that's not what Shlomach did, let's put it that way. And Shlomach actually used a slave labor force, if you look at the Book of Kings. The Mishkan is not built by any slave labor force. It's very interesting. It's a voluntary business. And, as we all know, Precisely because it was a voluntary business, they oversubscribed. Uh, it says that they issued orders, don't give any more contributions. Don't make any more contributions. This is one that always sticks in the throat of the uh, fundraisers. And that's the last time that's going to happen in Jewish history, as they say. Matter of fact, I'm sure for the fundraisers out there, in Baltimore, the Rabbi Neuberger types, they're going to say, this is a mikra v'loma targum. You don't say this one over to the public. But all kidding aside, think about it. Um, they oversubscribed, and pretty doggone quickly, and the mission was built in a very good mood, and Moshe says, I want all volunteers to step forward, the men and the women. The men volunteered to do what they could do. The women did the sewing, the knitting, whatever it was. You know, tovu was easy, and... Uh, the whole thing was on a very uh, happy, happy mood. Uh, there were some birches about whether Moshe stole some of the money, but I'll leave that for next week. The general idea, though, is you just build a golden calf. Are you willing to kick in money and build a Mishkan? That would have been devastating if the Jews would have said, well, when it comes for the Eglazov, we tore the, the, the earrings off the, off the wife. You know, In other words, they, they, they rushed to throw in the money. And when it comes to the Mishkan... Not. But that's not what happened. Instead, you have the funny situation where the same people who, a very short time before, built an Eglazov and danced around and all the rest of it, now are willing to kick in money, serious money, to build a Mishkan for God. As a matter of fact, Hashem even says somewhere in the Medrash, these people are stupid, you know, they, I thought they're wicked, I just see that they're profligate. You know, they spend money on this, they spend money on that. But in all seriousness, is something deeper involved. Uh, it has to do with the idea of 
community. Uh, the parsha starts with the word vayakel, which is a very unusual verb. It does not appeal, appeal too often, appear too often. It doesn't say vayasof, you know, or vayakabets, that Moshe gathered the people together. Rather, it says vayakel Moshe. What does that mean? He, he communityed them, he kahaled them, he kahiled them. So what does that mean? To assemble a kahila is tricky because not everybody can be a, a, a chief. People have to be the Indians. You have to take orders. And people have to accept, as in, for example, an army, that this one's going to be in, assigned this task and another one's going to be assigned a different task. And people might complain in a non-kahila situation, why are you putting me over here? I'd rather do over there. For a guy like Moshe to run that operation with the help of Bitsalo and the others and say, the women will do this, the Nisim, the big shots will give in the stones, the others will make the wood, and some people do the dyeing, as we know from the laws of Shabbos, uh, you know, dyeing of the, of the colors. Uh, for people to accept given roles and agree that other people should do other tasks, that's a big deal in Judaism. That's what we call Kehila. That is the model of the Ketores, of the Lulav and the Esrug, as we all know, the good people and the bad people. And frankly, that is when the Jewish people ever in their history ever achieve anything glorious. I say inglorious, it's when you find that kind of attitude. What's funny is, if you look honestly in America in modern times, in the 20th century, what happened was a repeat. You had all these people. Let me put it this way. Who built the yeshivas in America? The day schools. I mean, who gave the money is what I'm saying. And the answer is overwhelmingly the not from. So why, when somebody's not from, who's not observant, want to pay for an Air Israel, uh, a Lakewood, a TA, a Basiaka, or anything like that? Why would they do that? They don't send their own children there. So it's just interesting. I'm talking about people gave significant contributions. And it went on all through the 20th century, and it goes on even today to a lesser extent, but it still goes on. So what does that mean? You have generally people move to America, Jews, and what happened was some of them did well. In the course of that, they dropped their observance, no longer keep Shabbos or any kind of business. So they worshipped the golden calf as a way. They gave up everything. They sacrificed. Today goes off. They sacrificed their Yiddishkeit to make money. And you say, oh, that's terrible. And it is existentially terrible. But then what happened afterwards? The people I'm talking about, after they sacrificed their Shabbos, their Kashas, their Tars Mishpach, all the rest of it, to worship the, the, the God of gold and, and make the money, they turned around and kicked in serious money to build Mishkans. Yeshivas, schools, Beis Yaakov, similar institutions. It's kind of weird. Unless you say they still had a feeling of kehilo. They still had the feeling that goes like this. Me, myself, and I might not be personally observant. Maybe I don't keep Shabbos. But I do agree that Jews somewhere should keep Shabbos. In a perfect world, I would too. But I don't live in a perfect world. I live in the world that I live in. And so in my family situations, we don't observe this. But I agree that people should. That, my friends, is called the Kehilo. And that, my friends, is called a Tzibor. And that, if you look in places like the Masilsi Sharm, is considered the highest value in Judaism. I'll say it again, the highest value in Judaism. That's not rhetoric on my part. That's what they say. Meaning, what Hashem prefers is a community composed of all kinds of people, the observant, the non-observant, the good and the bad, but they're all kicking in together to build a joint uh, project 
which is the Jewish community, with the idea that the bad people, if you can call them that, the bad people recognize that what they're doing is not exemplary, and they want to make their contribution to the overall community, and maybe they do it through money, maybe do it through other ways. You know, some non-from Jews lobby Truman, you know, to recognize Israel, you know, that sort of thing. However they make the contribution, if they're all contributing it toward a Mishkan, to a, a joint project that advances the cause of Kali Yisrael, or advances the cause of Jewish survival, or Jewish spirituality, whatever it is, then they're doing something noble. This is why you find in Chazal a number of times they say, Afila Rekonin Shabahen, Malayan Mitzvah Karimah. Even the empty Jews are full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate. That's a poetic way of saying, even Jews who are not halachically observant this way and that way, nevertheless are full of mitzvahs. The same thing happened in the desert. The Jews who worshipped the golden calf, and it was very recent, so I don't know how many of them totally repented and got out of their system. I think I mentioned last week or two weeks ago in one of these podcasts, Jewish people never got over the Mishagasa, the golden calf, and it reappears in, in Jewish history later on, does it not? Especially in the time of the Book of Kings, there for hundreds of years. But meanwhile, in the desert, they dropped it, and they stopped it, and now they're kicking in money and contributing their skills and whatever else they have to the building of a grand Mishkan. This is the atonement, so to speak. What do I mean when I say the atonement? It doesn't make up for worshiping a golden calf, but it perpetuates the tzibur. It offers, uh, you know, a, a personal sacrifice on behalf of Klai Yisrael, and in doing that, you find your grace. Because as I've said many times, the Jewish religion teaches that on an individual basis, someone is punished or rewarded for what he or she did, but on a communal basis, as far as Klai Yisrael is concerned, they have a grace. No matter what they did, they contribute. They continue to chug on. Losi shakachmi pizaro, as they put it. That God says that somehow or other the Jewish people will survive. If you play a part in that, then you are doing a grand mitzvah. I'm not saying it excuses your averus. Uh, I hope it does. I hope it excuses mine. But you know, we don't know that sort of thing. But we know that being part of this seaboard business is is rather remarkable, and that's why when shakanti b'sof and that when Hashem sees that kind of thing. Then he said, that's the group I want to dwell on. But the problem with that is that there has to be this kind of hierarchical situation in which you have all kinds of people joining together in one community. I'll use modern terminology, from the right to the left, the right, the middle, and the left. But the people on the left agree and acknowledge that what they're doing is not correct and that, as I said before, with the person who gives money for yeshiva, the ideal is what the people do on the right and I can't necessarily uh, imitate them, but I want to be part of them. I want to be part of the zebra. The way I'm part of the zebra is I kick in money or I help in this way or legal advice or whatever kind of a, a help you do. In the Mishkan sense, it was I'll give in a ring. I'll give in a piece of wood. I'll give in, a, you know, I'll help, like I say, schlep. Uh, whatever, whatever the uh, assignment, whatever they were assigned. And so the Mishkan turns out to be a really interesting atonement because... The Jewish people did something very bad, but they come back, or better yet, God tells them to do this, right? To come back by participating in a joint project. So the Mishkan is actually built by sinners. God said to do it. Built by, why didn't Hashem say, only those people who did not participate in the golden calf have the right to participate in the building of the Mishkan? That's the from way, right? Only, like you say at a funeral, only a Shammah Shabbos can hold the coffin. You know, that sort of business. You hear that 
kind of sensibility, but it doesn't say that. He said, Vayakel Moshe's called Daspana Yisrael. He got everybody in there. When he looked at that crowd, Moshe Rabbeinu, did he see a whole bunch of people that were totally blameless and had nothing to do with the golden calf? No. <laughs> he looked around and he saw what he saw, and they knew it. And in spite of that, he said, okay, we're not going to dwell on what happened. Let's go and get together and build this um, structure. And if you participate in it, you don't have to. It's all voluntary. That's the point. It's all voluntary. If you do, then you will find your new glory. And if you don't, you won't. The Jewish people were wise enough to hop this. And so therefore, everybody enthusiastically jumped in and said, count me in. I don't care what I'm assigned to do. I don't care if you want a lot of money or a little money. I don't care where you put me. Uh, I just want to be part of this. So when the base of Migdash or the Mishkan is finally erected, you can say, I helped. Maybe you helped with a, you know, a twig. Maybe you helped with one socket. I don't know. But the fact is that you were participated in it. And so we here, here we see the Mishkan ends. With this I end. The extreme importance in Jewish values, not of everybody necessarily being from, although that's important in its own way, observant, but of being part of the Tzibur. The great tragedy of the modern period that you and I live in in Jewish history is this hierarchical uh, consensus broke down. The people today, by and large, uh, who are not from, are basically saying, uh, we don't acknowledge this. We don't believe in God. We don't believe in the Torah. We don't believe what we're doing is wrong. If I want to be uh, somebody who celebrates Shabbos on Wednesday, I can do so. If I want to celebrate something the Torah doesn't allow, I can do so, and that's Judaism for me. And who are you to tell me what to do? If you have that kind of attitude, then you shatter the possibility of all Jews getting together. This is the great tragedy of our times. In America, I live in Baltimore. In America, we don't have one Jewish community, we have two. You have the Orthodox on the one hand and the others, and never the twain meet. Officially, everybody smiles at each other. But really, it's a certain type of divorce. And uh, this is the opposite of what God likes, but that's the way the modern uh, Jewish politics developed. So these are just a few thoughts as we contemplate the Parsha tomorrow with this dramatic story of everybody joining in and uh, building this whole Mishkan. And my time is up, so have a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.